0: If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with MyBookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week.
1: We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and
0: the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to on fire the official Survivor podcast wherever you get your podcast.
1: Broadcasting live from Florida's capital city. This is the Jeff Cameron show brought to you by Orange Theory Fitness on Real Talk 93.3. Now stop what you're doing and listen closely. It's time for the Jeff Cameron show in 5. 4. Three, two, one...
2: Jeff Cambridge show 93 three real talk radio and war chant TV hoping this finds you well we did get into last hour much of our thoughts on the scrimmage or what we could glean from what the coaches had to say about the scrimmage uh this hour irash fell will join us we have a chance to talk about that some with him as well get his takeaways from what we've witnessed up to this point and um what he's looking forward to moving forward as we uh, segue towards April, get that actual spring game and that everybody will be able to watch. And then uh, that'll launch us into the long summer, but uh, one in which we eagerly anticipate uh, the upcoming football practices for the fall. This is, I I say it every year. I think a lot of times we do. It's in our best interest too, because uh, we cover this program uh, and it is a central theme obviously on the show on a daily basis. But in truth, um, I, I have real intrigue for the upcoming season. It's going to feel, uh, hopefully not, but it, it, it probably will feel a bit like a long-off season if only because I'm so, so excited to, to see what this is. I think this is the first time that I'll go into a season in recent memory believing they have a legitimate chance to to look like a pretty good team, like a pretty good football team. I, I think they're frontline starters on both sides of the ball, and the kids that they've brought in to help bolster that, Uh, have given me reason to have some hope. That's the best way of describing what this spring has meant to me so far. There's still more to learn uh, to derive from these practices that we'll watch uh, from the upcoming scrimmages. There's another one on Saturday coming up. And so I I do get excited because I think there's potential. And oftentimes I've thought uh, in the last few years about the team that hmm, they have to avoid certain pitfalls that uh, seem – Likely, Uh, they're going to have to disguise certain weaknesses that are very evident uh, and soon will be evident to those who, uh, you know, watch the film (laughs) uh, of the games that are played. You know, I've always been thinking about what's next around the bend, and most of the time that thing that's lurking feels disastrous. It feels it's potentially a very negative effect, whereas this spring— I've been able to derive a little bit more of a hopeful attitude by what I'm witnessing uh, on a regular basis and what I'm hearing when we aren't able to watch. Uh, that's the difference, I think, this spring, is that I've been able to say, well, they're pretty good here. They're pretty good there. they got a little work to do here. They're really good here. There, isn't, there aren't too many moments where I've got, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of reached back and thought, hmm, they are awful right here. That is going to be a problem. You know, last year going into the season, time, you recall... Every time we got our hopes up, I couldn't help but come back to the linebacker play and coverage in particular. I kept thinking, man, they are going to get exposed in coverage. And they got exposed in coverage. Now, some other things stepped up last year that I didn't anticipate, and that's always true, too. There's always something that you don't expect on the positive side of things to happen that usually does. Usually there's a player or two that surprises you and and takes a step forward. And if that happens, to go along with the optimism I'm describing just based on depth, Uh, in some areas, improved depth and competition in some areas, then Florida State could be a pretty good team. And that's that's a different way of viewing spring than the last two springs, last three springs, really. I think Tom is muted. (laughs) We'll get him. We'll get him. Still muted. We're working. We're working. What's going on here?
0: Uh Uh-oh. You there? There he is. All right, all right. So the thing I'd say is last year's spring – to this year's spring, if you look at it as three camps, they've gotten markedly better each camp. Now, last year's, in the fall, the improvements weren't enough um, you know, to amass anything close to eight wins, but it, it was better. You could just see in the spring they had no hope. In the fall, there was a little bit of hope. Uh, and if they didn't you know, screw around in the Jacksonville State game, they would have played the bowl game. This camp, you go, okay, this is another incremental bit of growth. It's just evident. Everywhere you look, the reps are better. There are more reps in this camp being won for good reasons by somebody who makes a good play rather than they're won by default because uh, a defensive back has no chance to cover a receiver or a tackle or a guard has no chance to block a defensive lineman. I'm talking about the ones. They need to build up that depth, but you're seeing more reps won. And that's the thing that jumped out to us in the beginning when they were in shorts with the receivers that the receivers were actually winning some battles the pads come on it has continued the receivers are going and finding the football they're making contested catches they're creating separation off the line of scrimmage on the defensive side you have edge rushers who are unproven winning some battles McClendon started out with his hair on fire in camp it's been limited some but he still shows flashes and Jared Verse has just been consistently getting better practice after practice after practice. I have to imagine if he had a good day on Saturday, which is what we're hearing, that his confidence should be through the roof when we watch practice tomorrow because he knew and he put it on a pedestal. He said it himself in media availability last week that this is where the depth chart is set. So he knew that there was extra pressure and he responded to it. I'm looking forward to seeing how this group responds to what sounds like it amounts to a well-played scrimmage and what it does for their confidence and how the reps look and sound. Uh, Maybe the offense has a little bit of edge to them on Tuesday and Thursday because they lost this first scrimmage by most accounts.
2: Something we didn't bring up when we gave the plus-minus grades and where we're at in assessing this team. Uh, I know Ira wrote a piece on Warchant.com that you can read with uh, some of his observations as well. We didn't bring up tight ends, Um, and Lord knows we could spend uh, several shows uh, breaking down the tight end room because there are 11 of them. Uh, But oddly, I I think we can get to the heart of the matter here. Um, and I don't think this does anybody, I don't know, this doesn't embolden anybody, and maybe that's unfair to the young man. But have you not thought, because I've never brought this up to you, so this will be an honest reaction here, uh, I thought Wyatt Rector has been uh, by far the second-best tight end in camp. He's made some great plays, uh, contested catches down the football field. I don't know that I'm buoyed by that. Uh, that, that I don't feel good about that, but that's the truth of what's happened. Now I think that I keep waiting on Jackson West. I don't know, you know, uh, Douglas is what he is. Uh, Brian Courtney's the guy that everybody is excited about, but he hasn't really done much in camp other than when you watch him run, you're like impressed by that size and mobility. But he's not making plays uh, in in these in these moments where they're going good on good. I I, I don't know, man. I just. That room is still a bit of an enigma. It's a little frustrating for an offense that relies heavily on the position that wants to utilize uh, a diverse set of skills at the position. Uh, they 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 only have Cam McDonald as a guy that they know they you know that you can roll out there and you believe in. He's got weaknesses in his game. Um, he's he's a an average tight end at this level. Uh, although he looks like an NFL player, uh, body type-wise. I like that kid. He works hard. He's a smart kid and seems to do everything he can to get the most out of what he has. But, but again, it's limited, and I'm not seeing anything behind him that I feel great about. But Wyatt Rector has been the second-best tight end out there.
0: Yeah, um Marquiston's had a few moments in practice where you say, oh, okay, that that's a nice moment. That's a good flash play, but he's not playing with the consistency that I think he can be your sixth offensive lineman and play whatever role. Because the, like, There's a bunch of different ways that Mike Norvell would like to use the tight end position. There's like the on-the-end-of-the-line guy that you're used to seeing in old pro-style offenses back in the day, like uh, Jordan Wilson. That's what they were trying to get out of him to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's the H-back in the backfield. Mm-hmm. There's the Nick O'Leary type that Jim Fisher used. Brian Courtney projects to be that Nick O'Leary type towards the end of his career or you know maybe in a year or two. I think it's too much too soon, but the flashes are already there. Like He does things that you can't teach, which is great, and so he will be somebody that we look forward to watching down the line, but I don't think that time is now. You're right about Wyatt Rector. Uh, he's been more consistent than most. I saw Jackson West deliver one of the great pancake blocks of camp last week, uh, which was pretty impressive. It was on a linebacker. I'm not saying it was on a D-tackler or anything like that. But you're you're reaching. You're reaching when you're talking about this segment group, and maybe it's one that if you've got an extra spot and somebody fits this offense, maybe that's what you dip into the portal for. Because I think if you're talking about instant impact of uh, an above-average power five level player on any uh, in any position group on this roster, it's offensive line first, and it might be tight end second. Now that you have Tatum Bethune, it might be tight end. Yeah, I'm tired of
2: waiting on that room, man. Um, you know, I, t- I think part of the frustration is that it, you know, you look at the roster and you are like, really, we got eleven of these guys and nobody can play. You know, part of it is, is, and there are some guys. I'll just say it, man. There are some guys on this team uh, at that position who can't play a lick, not even marginal. Like, have no business being out there.
0: Yeah, the way I describe it is that position group looks compared to what Florida State should look like. Like most of them did last year in spring camp. So if I'm trying to spin what you're talking about into a positive, <laughs> and be a member of the JCSPR firm, yeah, yeah.
2: The yeah.
0: way I'd be the member of the PR firm is to say that most segment groups Looked look like, like that tight end room.
2: Yeah, mm-hmm. man, I get when we get down that depth chart, the tight end room. You know this because you've been next to me. I get I'm I'm shook by how bad it is. I'm just like I I'd say terrible things in my head about some of the guys we roll out there. Uh, in your head. You, well, yeah. mostly in my head. Unless you're around, then I feel comfortable vetting uh, I, I or in, venting in this case. I do. I. It's just not right. It's not right, Tom. You can't have eleven guys, seven of whom suck to high heaven, on uh, at that position. That just stop it. We're wasting spots.
0: Well, maybe you have Johnny Wilson run some things that a tight end would run in Mike Norvell's offense, but you just keep calling him a receiver because clearly Johnny Wilson wants to be called and termed yeah. a receiver. Yeah. And I can understand why if you've got a pro resume, uh, you're going to make a hell of a lot more, more money, money as a receiver, receiver yeah. than as a tight end. But, yeah, I mean, it's the thing that, that's frustrating is in this offense, that particular position can be the difference. It can yes. be the difference between a close win or a big win or a close win and a close loss. And I feel like we're hindered there if cam didn't come back, I don't know what we would have done. it's um, suck even worse it's thin Yes, there it is it's thin That's, That's what it.
2: we would have done. We would have been in dire straits. It's uh, very aggravating. I would also note uh, that we haven't mentioned it yet so I'm going to bring it up. Uh, Duke North Carolina in the uh, in the final four uh, and it was an ACC. Uh, love fest over the weekend with all the ACC squads playing. And for a time there at half, Miami has the lead on Kansas. I'm like, oh, boy, the terrible ACC is just making all kinds of inroads. Now, I was glad to see the team that we swept uh, during the course of this year bow out to the one of the great, terrible rugs still around in the game, which is Bill Self's rug, which I remember calling out the day I saw it. He, was, he went from balding, I mean, really balding quickly to all of a sudden having this snap-on thing that he put on, uh, and and then just unwavering in his support of that ridiculous uh, rug. He's never altered it. It's still just as sorry as the day it was when he, when
0: he, when he made his debut. Yeah, can I say, what is it about basketball and bad rugs? Because, I mean, a few of them come to mind immediately. And if they're not bad rugs, they'll color, color their hair yes. or, uh, excessively, where you're like, what,
2: what are we doing here?
0: You're 80 years about, old. Who are you kidding? Yeah, they don't live in reality in the basketball world. No. Mike uh, Fratello back in the oh, day. Oh, buddy. Uh, Joe Lenardi. Oh, well, the, Jesus.
2: Joe's is maybe one of the worst wigs ever.
0: That's that William like Shatner a, level 80s wig. It looks like the thing you snap on the top of a Lego man. Right. You know, the, like, the hair you put on the Lego man. Mm-hmm. What is it about basketball? Many other walks of life, they figured out how to make it at least somewhat believable. In right. football, you don't see a lot of them. Tom Brady's got one of the best ones of all, all time. All-time
2: all time great wig. not basketball. Good. No, not basketball. And they're very visible in basketball. So that's the one where you got to put the extra effort in. You don't have a helmet to hide. You've got – you're out there. You're on front street, baby. You better get something solid where we're not, like, that can't be the first thing I think. Like, Bill Self has been an uber-successful coach, and then some. But I don't think about those successes. When you say Bill Self in Kansas, I go, that's a piece, huh? Look at all that. Look at all that rug right there, huh? That's the first thing I think of. I don't think of great X's and O's, great coach, gets the most really good recruiter. I don't think anything like that. I'm like, look at that thing. I forgot about it until we get to the Sweet 16 every year. Then I see him again, and I go, well, there's Kansas again and that ridiculous-ass wig. Anyhow, I'm glad they won the game. Uh, I, By the way, I um, I have to say that for the most part, I'm less high on or not as enthusiastic on uh, any of the Cinderella's that entertain us in the tournament year in and year out. I love Upsets just like everybody else. It's one of the magnificent things that happens in this tournament. It's what's unique to this tournament. Uh but most of the time, I, I am always falling back on the knowledge that no matter how great a story it is, uh, the cream rises to the top and you end up with a Final Four that looks a lot like Blue Bloods year in and year out, right? It just it fills up with these teams that have been uh, almost in perpetuity giants. Now, there are exceptions. I get it. There are exceptions. But just proof of what we're talking about, the real Cinderella's of the world, a 15 seed like St. Peter's, has never made it to the Elite Eight. And they did this year. And I wanted to bring it up because I wanted to say I loved it. I thought that was fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It made me laugh. And I'll tell you why. For all the criticism that our potential, our fan base in particular levies at Leonard Hamilton, can you imagine being part of that Purdue fan base and losing to that team they should be ashamed of themselves and he should be ashamed of himself. That is humiliated. He's oh he he rolls out a land of giants with perimeter shooters everywhere, NBA star talent four deep at least going to the league, and they lost to that team. That's humiliating. That 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 is absolutely that that would be something that would infuriate me. If I were a Purdue fan. You remember watching Purdue. Early in the season, obviously, boat race our ass. But then you turned around and watched them for much of the year. The one thing that was lacking with them is they didn't defend. But they were never lacking for star power offensively. They were never lacking for uh, size on the interior. They were never lacking for shooters on the perimeter or handlers. They they had everything a team could want. And they get the gift of a lifetime. They get this St. Peter's squad that has no business Being where they are, right, defensive principles, defensive principles, defensive principles, that's how they won, and they stuck to them. And it's, it's, you know, hey, kudos, great. But at some point, the clock strikes midnight, and we're all saying the clock is striking midnight when you face Purdue. You've got nothing. You have no answers at four different positions for what Purdue's bringing to the table, and Purdue loses that game. That's humiliating. Good for St. Peter's.
0: Yeah, I can't disagree with you there, and that's also a MAC team. So there you go. The MAC team does what Florida State could not on the road. But mm. yeah, if if Purdue played, I think just about every team I've seen in college basketball in the last three four years, the night that they played us at home in the ACC Big Ten Challenge, I think they beat every single one of them. Yes, and that looks that looks sustainable. Leonard's comments afterwards, he's not usually this effusive. No, but his post game presser was that's one of the best teams I've seen in a long, long time. That's just, that team is, that that's ridiculous. And if that's how you start a year, and you set up all these expectations in a conference everybody was all too quick to crown as the biggest and best conference in the country in terms of total talent, top to bottom, and then you lose to a 15 seed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, but they're, on one, one note about, um, you know, the cream rises to the top, what's interesting is, I saw a note on ESPN Sports uh, or Stats and Info today, this is the first time, In tournament history, that there are multiple champions in every one of the final four slots. First time in history that there's been multiple Multiple
2: champions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the oddity when we went into this thing was I talked a little bit about, um, you know, Duke being one of the seven or so teams I thought could win the national title if they put it all together. Uh, They have. Um, One thing that stands out when we go through these teams, go through and look at there are any number of articles. You can do this with North Carolina as well. Uh, in Kansas, and you know, on down the line, when you do this, um, do the exercise of how many players, for example, uh, are going to get drafted in the first round, and if you're if you're looking at Duke or or have first round grades, Tom. So when we talk about now, you're cooking with gas as opposed to what Leonard has to try to make work or any program for that matter who's not that high on the list. So we know Banchero will go top five. A.J. Griffin, uh, Griffin will go top ten. Uh, Trevor Keels projects as a late first-rounder. Our man Wendell Moore. Wendell. God bless him. Second round. I mean, he's going to the league. Uh, Mark Williams, first round, the center. First round. So I just, I'm just, i giving you Duke's starting lineup, and it's like four of the 5 <laughs> going in the first round. They're going in the first round. Two
0: in the top ten. Well, it's about time they need to pull what Florida State did or one up us because we had three go uh, in last year's draft in the and, first I mean, round. We going, yeah, 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 yeah. You can't no. be as decorated as Leonard. You know, this is our down year, so you know because Mike uh, he had the COVID year where they couldn't win ten games. So it's about time he bounces back. And <laughs> I, I think it's it's fitting to put a to put a um, a ribbon around the, the talk about rugs and and coloring. It should be Bill Self versus Coach K for the title because you've got a magnificent
2: jet. wig and jet black paint it's natural
0: all natural all the time
2: it's the jeff cameron show daddy three three real talk radio and war chant tv irash fell from warchant.com i think coming up because i've gone long it's 25 after he can go 230 he got right he, no he canceled what are we doing
0: yeah he got tied up they're doing pro day man so. i don't want
2: to hear all this nonsense poppycock ira that's poppycock pro day sucks Jeff Cameron Show, to three, three, Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. All right, so no, no iron in this segment. He got caught up with uh, with Pro Day. Hey, and I didn't mean that as a slight to uh, Jermaine Johnson uh, having the opportunity to, uh, to do what he's doing. But I think that's kind of a I – mean, he has cemented himself at this
0: point. It's been fun to uh...
2: – by the way, Tom, who are you rooting for? Are you going to root for North Carolina or are you going to root for Duke?
0: Oh, North Carolina! <laughs> Dude, that's an easy answer. I, I want to see exactly what happens. Yeah, you want to uh, see them get boat raced again? I want to see it happen again. I, I w- because it's going to be on so many layers. You'll see the Duke fans in the stands. They're really, really good at this on uh, the NCAA tournament to capture the that fan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's going to be on everybody's you know memes or whatever. And then Jim Nance, oh my, he's going to cry. Jim Nance will weep on the broadcast if North Carolina wins by double digits. So that's exactly what I'm pulling for.
2: Uh, Did you happen across, because it's that time of year. By the way, I hate both programs is why I asked you the question. Um, I I have no love for either program whatsoever. Sure. In some way I'll derive pleasure from Duke losing and uh, whatever look it is on the entitled fans face. That's weeping in the stands that they zoom in on repeatedly. Yes, I agree with you. That'd be great. Uh, if they win, it, it won't hurt my feelings to see North Carolina exited uh, either. Um, a program that has gotten away with a ton of academic fraud, as pointed out here by Live Spectator, that's correct. Um, just a, a program that is has run amok. Um, that said, uh, you know what? They could not have been more excited by what they got in this tournament. That's ratings gold. Can you imagine uh, the vast majority of the country's tuning into that game, and they are going to sing the praises of that matchup, as opposed to say Villanova, Kansas, which in, and in its own right is two blue bloods, obviously. Uh, yeah, but 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 the but the sexier matchup, without question, is Carolina Duke.
0: No, so I this is one I'll watch. You know, like that, I will be excited to tune into. You know, usually the Final Four is like, eh, all right. You know, if the Lightning aren't playing or there isn't something cool going on, baseball usually is begun by that point mm-hmm. uh, in the calendar. In this in this case, it, it won't have. Um, but because it's this game, because it's coach K's final one, I'm watching just, you know, kind of giggling as I turn. (laughs) Are they going to do it? Is this going to happen again?
2: But that man may end up walking out with double middle fingers to Tom Lang and people like him. He may end up rolling on here and winning the national championship in his final year. I'm the ultimate winner. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, if he, if he wins, he should do it. He should do it. He should stand up there and be the heel. And, ref- yeah. and reference the loss at home and talk about how they may have won the battle, but we won the war because that's what I do. Like, he should he should do it.
0: Yeah, like uh, Bill Murray at a bowling alley. That's that's what he should do. He should just walk around the court going, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't believe it. He should do it.
2: Uh, I have to mention this because when I read it, I about spit my coffee out. And I can't know how it is that a producer doesn't get into his ear. But we're in mock draft season and you know how much we on the JCS love mock draft season because everybody falls all over themselves to do these projections and trades and we all live in La La Land and it's crazy. It's like a dreamland of a trade here and a trade there. But we we love comps these days. That's the big way to go about the world is to comp. Now, that's born out of baseball, typically. That that was something that I think born out of baseball. He's a most akin to uh, Jim Rice or he's most akin to Barry Bonds or what, you know, whatever you want to compare. And I get that in a game where statistical measurements, advanced metrics included uh, in today's game especially, uh, lends itself to comparing a ball player's uh, totality, like what they are, defensive zone metrics, all that stuff, right? But now we've done it in football, where we try to comp a running back to other running backs, receivers to other receivers from bygone eras or body types or whatever it might be. Mel Kuyper, and I got to guess, now I don't think Mel Kuyper uh, is, is, is racist. I'm not saying Mel Kuyper's racist. I'm not saying that at all, Tom. But I, I, I had to raise an eyebrow when he compared, when he was asked to comp Malik Willis. Now you know who Malik Willis is.
0: Oh man, where is this going?
2: Malik this Willis, Malik Willis, a big kid, a really big kid, right? I mean, when you he's the quarter. By the way, those at home who don't know, he's the quarterback at uh, at Liberty. Um, you've watched Malik Willis play, right? Mm-hmm. Me yeah. too, yeah. me too. You know who I didn't think of immediately? Michael Vick. That's correct. That's correct. Oh, I didn't my, think did of. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Come on, Mel Kuyper. What are we doing? Oh, no. Mel (laughs) Kuyper said, uh, I couldn't believe it, about Malik Willis that he's a bigger Michael. What the hell are you talking about? Their games don't resemble one another at all. You know what does resemble one another? The pigmentation of their skin, that's it, that's all. Nothing else about their game resembles each other in any way, shape, or form. You mean to tell me, as far as we've come, and with as many choices as possible, that's who Mel Kuyper went with when describing Malik Willis? He's like, he's, <laughs> he's like Michael Vick. Did you notice that when I asked you the question, and didn't tell you I was going to ask you the question, That clearly I was soliciting from you the most absurd comparison possible, and you reached into your bag of absurdity and grabbed Michael Vick because that's who he least resembles as a quarterback, but who would be the easiest to fall back on if we were using tropes and stereotypes the way that Mel Kuyper clearly did when saying, I don't know, he's a lot like Michael Vick. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing?
0: So. I've been uncomfortable now for about three, four minutes in a row. Once you said, I don't believe Mel Kuyper's a racist, but, and I was bracing. Yeah. Michael Vick is, uh, no. They're not even, what are we doing? How do you not edit that Sec Was that live? Was that that a recorded hit? What what was that? Oh, Uh, no. I, I read it. I couldn't believe it was allowed to be
2: there. I don't know if it still is, but I was like, oh, oh, what, what? What is this? If they post, I didn't. They posted it alongside his picture for a video that they had up there, and they were, they were just trying to clickbait you. They were trying to clickbait you, and they had his little piece. I'll have to go back. I didn't dare click on it because I was like, really? That's where we're going? We're going to go with Michael Vick? Nothing. So I'm going to now, in the spirit of the joke, the ongoing joke, Tom, From now on, and we'll have to clarify it for new listeners, I'm going to do that. If I'm going to compare white quarterbacks, I'm going to compare the whitest white quarterback of all time to any other white quarterback that's coming out, ever. And any black quarterback that's coming out, you're not allowed to compare them, their skill set or anything else to white quarterbacks. It can only be other black quarterbacks and they have to be of the really athletic type. It can't be a pocket-passing black quarterback. It has to be only the most athletic quarterback that's ever played in Michael Vick. That's every black quarterback from here on out, Tommy. (laughs) You'll be in on the joke, and everybody who knows me knows that this is clearly me making fun of Mel Kuyper, but there will be
0: some people who are like, what is this guy saying? Because that's what I'm going to do from here on out. You know what I see when I look at Tom Brady? I see a lot of Steve Young. You know, it's just there, there's something about the way Tom Brady plays the game. It just it, it reeks of Steve Young. It, it's just amazing to mm. see. They're, they're so similar the mm. way the two play. Nothing like at all. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I couldn't believe that's what he fell back on. I went, okay, all right, that's what we're doing here. Um, as far as the player, uh, Malik Willis, he is in many ways um, kind of the – Interesting figure in the draft because he's been projected as high as top five and as low as early second round. So... When we're, when, we're doing, when we're actually looking at the, the, the measurables, the numbers, the teams that might select quarterback, and the manipulation of the draft, which is not that far away, which I love, uh, and we do engage in this and have draft parties, and we're going to do it again this year, and it's always fun. I actually do care about assessing players realistically as opposed to falling back on said tropes. But I, I, I do want to look at like uh, five or six guys that will decide how the draft plays out. And he is high on that list of guys that will help us pivot for what team does what. Or who, or who decides to move up?
0: Do you know how much more of a household name Malik Willis would be right now if he played anything close to Michael Vick? He would be viral 10, 15 times over. Correct. me Malik Willis' viral moment in college where he makes like 12 dudes miss on a play while running a 4-3 yeah, down the sideline. He, like, he, like, he,
2: he didn't do that. He didn't do that because his game doesn't resemble that of, of Michael Vick's. And um, I
0: know that there are 11 on the field, but Michael would make somebody miss two or three times. I mean, that Michael
2: was a freak of nature. He was a freak of nature. Nobody, I mean, and I'm not saying, I mean, Michael had weaknesses in his game. We know that. Um, and in fact, those were always brought to the forefront whenever he took on a team with great speed at linebacker, like say the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because uh, then I'm going to make you stand in the pocket and throw the football at six feet tall.
0: You know, the I, this is a perfect footnote in history, because if you recall the overtime run against the Vikings by Michael Vick in his rookie season and how crazy that was. The call, I don't know if it was uh, West Durham or, or who it was. It says somebody's call was uh, the incomparable Mike Vick. Well, Mel Kuyper says, Hold my beer.
2: Yeah, I got Hold you. I've been, there, I've been waiting for this day. I've been waiting for this day. It's the Jeff Cameron Show 93 3, Real Talk Radio and War Chant
1: TV. The Jeff Cameron Show is sponsored by the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. Great rates, cutting-edge technology, and transparent communication is the recipe for a five-star mortgage experience at fsuhomeloans.com. Jeff Cameron
2: Show, 93.3, and Real Talk Radio is what they are. Yes, indeedy. 4 Chan TV as well. Like and subscribe. Got some best bets coming for you in a bit. Has hockey normalized for you, Tom? Are we better off now where we were feeling good about the hockey? I think so. I believe that's accurate. I'll get to uh, some of them momentarily. I know the Lightning are back to their winning ways, which is a good thing. I know during the break, for those of you listening on the radio side of things, you heard about our friends Chad and Shannon. Legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans that joined us as partners in the Jeff Cameron Show some time ago, and it's it's good to be associated with and work alongside uh, and promote our friends, uh, Shannon, Chad, legendary team, as noted, Hamilton Home Loans, and it's good to provide for you a phone number if, in fact, you're in the market for a home loan and you want a straightforward five-star mortgage experience, cutting-edge technology. The process is not intimidating. Uh, it's 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 an opportunity, and they see it as an opportunity to really kind of simplify the process and help you out. Uh, whether it's um, you know, what you need right now, could be a, a friend of yours that you might want to suggest and point this way. They are diehard Knowles, fellow Knowles of ours, and they can't wait to help you. Give them a call today eight four four FSU Loan. That's eight four four FSU Loan, or you can check them out online. Learn more about. Shannon and Chad, the legendary team at Hamilton Home Loans. It's fsuhomeloans.com, online, fsuhomeloans.com. All right, so this story is one that, uh, I don't know, gives us all hope. A bettor, Tom, turned a $25 wager into over $43,000 in uh, cash on a four-leg parlay by correctly predicting The men's final four teams, and obviously those four, Duke, Kansas, North Carolina, Villanova, winning their respective regions. The four Blue Bloods uh, won, and uh, that meant a ton of money for this guy. He placed the bet early in March, predicting those exact four teams as each of the four region winners, so $43,218 later is how that cashed, and by the way, he got Duke at that time plus 480. Villanova at that time to win the South region. So he was guessing regions plus 390. North Carolina to win the East region at plus 2,000. Kansas to win the Midwest region at plus 200. $25 wager, total payout 43,218. And when you read it off like that, you realize. Man, that's something we could have done. I, I liked Carolina going into the tournament. Talked about how hot they were, how talented they were. I don't know that I would have selected them Final Four, but if you gave them to me at that insane amount, what, plus 2,000? Uh, I might have thrown pizza money that way. Plus 2,000? Yeah. Kansas, it seemed like a no-brainer. They ended up being a one seed. Obviously, Duke was one of the seven or eight teams you thought had a chance to win a national championship. You just needed them to, to right the ship, and they did. Um, man, you know, Villanova. Arguably be the best coach in the tournament. Current. He's got two national titles.
0: Yeah, I'd say, you know, the North Carolina long shot, not me. You know, if you're if you're looking at my bracket, I think I was over four in my final four. I, I thought that there was, I believed that there was going to be a heavy Big Ten presence in the final mm-hmm. four. And mm. There there's no Big Ten presence. In the final four, I had Purdue winning the national championship because I figured, however you like to roll it out there, they'll be able to play it, they'll be able to score against it. Yes, and then, uh, they lost to a fifteen P- seed. Yeah, Saint <laughs> Peter's like, no, nah, that's not the case at all. You're wrong. So, you know, I, I think I might have been able to hit one of those, but uh, that parlay ticket would have been, I think, two hours old <laughs> when it comes to that, that been first birthday. Yeah, and that's kind of the end of that. Yeah.
2: Every time you have fun sprinkling pizza money on a parlay,
0: you're always just you know trying
2: to find things to group where it is plausible. And seeing Carolina at plus 2,000, obviously the payoff is huge if you include it, because everybody else is plus 390, plus 200. You know, there's not real value in doing that. Placing a plus 200 bet is nice on Kansas to get there, but only if you marry it with a plus 2,000 bet that Carolina's going to be there, and then, you know, if you want to marry those two with Villanova. By the way, unfortunately for Villanova, and I watched this as it happened, 50-44 to over Houston. I thought Houston had a chance to win the national championship this year, but they went one for the world from beyond the arc, so bad night to just miss every damn shot you take from beyond the arc save for one. But losing Justin Moore to a ruptured Achilles, brutal for Villanova. I mean, that, in my mind, probably excludes them from winning a national championship. Can you imagine? I mean, I— Listen, nobody's crying uh, tears for Villanova, who's frequently in the Final Four and you know, routinely a a, a, a team that you could see vying for a national championship. But, man, to go that far, I hate it for that young man. Hate it. To go that far to get to that point. And at the end of the game to boot, you're like, really? Okay, the Final Four, That I'm going to lose a, a ruptured Achilles? Sweet Jesus.
0: Yeah, you know, um, the thing that makes the tournament so much better and so much more entertaining than college football in this sense is What would a twenty-five dollar parlay get you in college football for naming the final four in the in the playoff? Like thirty bucks, it would pay out five in profit because you know three of them already. Yeah, every year you
2: got to find the fourth that is the low-key surprise. Yeah, and it's a low-key surprise because it's only going to be one of seven or eight teams that you're going to choose from, and this Mm -hmm. is a problem. We do this a lot Uh, before the start of every football season. We kind of write in. All right, well, Alabama, Ohio State. Uh, yeah, well these days now Georgia, yeah. You gotta find that fourth. Uh yeah, it's 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 aggravating. I most years you could be like, Well, Notre Dame could back in and get their ass stomping. Uh, you know, you can find I guess this year had you said Cincinnati before the year, you would have made good money. And and you knew by the way that, that your bet for that to happen. Now it got a little dicey for a while there. But the the game they had to win was the road Notre Dame game. Cincinnati basically had two chances to prove themselves. One was a road game against Indiana, who's not any good, and they barely won, came down to the wire. That wasn't a good look for them, by the way, but it was a power five opponent. And then, obviously, the game in which they dominated Notre Dame certainly uh, catapulted them there. If you had that ticket, you would have... Breathe a sigh of relief after the Indiana game, and you would have been celebrating after that Notre Dame game because it certainly looked like they had a real good chance to clear that path.
0: What's interesting now is you can take Oklahoma out of the equation unless they prove it under Brent Venable. Yeah, soon Southern
2: but, Cal is going to be the other team.
0: There it is because also the Pac-12 has had a lot of representatives over the years. They just usually get waxed unless yeah. it was Oregon against us, but you know Washington will get shut out, or if Oregon made it, they would. But there's always that 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 fourth group uh, or that fourth team that makes that semifinal Saturday or semifinal whatever day of the week it is just terrible and less than watchable. But uh, USC probably figures to be in soon. that conversation. Maybe as soon as this year. Yeah, because soon the Pac-12 is light.
2: Yeah, they might. The one year Michigan State made it, you're like, what is what is going on here? What Michigan State has made it? Yeah, them and Washington, I think, were the two that I was like, well, okay. Because you could see the path for Cincinnati getting there. It was building to that point. They still needed some breaks and some things to happen. They almost didn't get there anyhow. Uh, and, frankly, I'd be quick to – kick teams like that to the curb I'm not one of these people that bleed for the teams that play the schedule that Cincinnati plays but anyhow come back wrap it up momentarily we'll give you some of those best bets Jeff show ninety-three three, Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV it's
1: only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after
2: all it's only pressure Do, do, do. Wrapping it up, we'll find a few for you before we call today. We also have uh as always is the case a little bit of probables action. I'm getting uh, more and more excited as um baseball season gets closer. I know, I know. I'm always speaking to the Older part of the demographic that listens to this show, uh, as I reference my uh, and espouse my love of baseball. Let's get to both that and the bets. North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to
0: com. It's time for, how you say, with the pitching, uh, Probables...
2: All right. Fromber Valdez going for the Astros. Good way to start. Adam Wainwright it's 105 years old. Got the to start today at Roger Dean Stadium there in uh, Clearwater. Remember, Tom, I used to have to read those. Roger Dean Stadium. Orioles and uh, Phillies. That is Dean Kramer and Christopher Sanchez. Blue Jays, Braves. They're in the sixth. Sean Anderson, Spencer Strider. Good name. Marlins, Nats. Edward Cabrera and Patrick Corbin. Yanks Tigers. Dieve Garcia and Eduardo Rodriguez. Guardians Royals. Adam Scott. Hey, you now. Zach Grinky, He's also old. Padres White Sox. Joe Musgrove. Lucas Giolito. Dodgers D backs. Clayton Kershaw. Corbin Martin. A's Angels. Paul Blackburn and Noah Syndergaard, I don't know why I forgot Noah Syndergaard's with the Angels. Rangers, Mariners, that is Glenn Otto. Glenn Otto. Hey, Tom, you like this. It's Glenn Otto and Robbie Ray. <laughs> hey, hey! I'm Glenn Otto. Welcome to Glenn Otto. How can I show you this automobile? Robbie Ray. Giants, Brewers, Logan Webb, Corbin Burns, Cubs, Reds, Marcus Stroman, Tyler Mahal, and that is a look at those that shall reside of the bump. Nice, Ryan. Good for you. San Francisco Giants had a deal for $5 tickets for April and May. Excited to get back in a ballpark soon, especially that one. It's a great ballpark. I love that ballpark. I saw the Marlins play the Giants there a few years back um, and thoroughly enjoyed it. And uh, Yeah, it's one of the good ballparks. Uh, That one, I've not been to the new City Field, Tom's uh, ballpark. There's a nice one. Obviously, PNC routinely thought of as one of the best uh, two or three ballparks in all baseball. I think it's the best. Uh, I still love uh, a number of ballparks that I haven't visited in a while, but I've, I've been—I've had the good fortune of, um, I think I've been to 20-some-odd ballparks. That's good news. That's minutes or seconds? Minutes. Good. Here we go. I'm going to take Kansas and jump on that four before that line changed. I did that and laid the four I think Villanova is going to have some problems there. Jumped on it early. We'll do a college sports book write up for that. Uh, not a ton uh, in terms of the overall uh, numbers out there. I'm going to start looking at wins, win totals for Major League Baseball this week. I saw where the A's total is somewhere in the neighborhood of 69 and a half. I'm going to go over that. They always find a way to do that. I'm going to go over that. I'll take a look at a couple of others that I'm intrigued by. I like that twins team, by the way, which we uh, mentioned uh, at the end of last week. Uh, you'll get, you'll be able to watch a lot of twins games, Tom, in your household, obviously. I think that's a fun team, and I like what they've done. I think they can win more. I think that number was somewhere around 78. I'm going over that. I, th- I think they could win in the 80s. So it's time for us to get down to the nitty-gritty and find the values on win
0: totals. You got anything for tonight? Uh, yeah, I haven't looked at the win totals yet. I'm glad you mentioned that. Uh- Take a look at the uh, Augusta odds as well. Maybe put a flyer on Tiger Woods. uh, (laughs) Because there are a lot of rumors circulating that he may be, in fact. All right. So tonight, pizza money. No more than pizza money. This is a small hunch. Play the Arizona Coyotes over the Edmonton Oilers. There is trouble again. Good God. They just gave up nine goals in their previous game. Arizona to win is a plus 300 proposition. Just a, a little guy just to keep you interested yeah, in uh, Washington to beat Carolina tonight. Put them in their small play, small play.
2: I like it. Thank you very much, sir. Good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Thanks to all of you. Be well, everybody. And don't forget to check out com. Take care. We'll talk to you tomorrow.